Good afternoon, Kings. How are you doing? My name is Christian Wagner. I'm the Militant Thomist. And today, uh, yes, my my background does look different. We're doing some uh, remodeling. And by we, I mean she. And by she, I mean my wife. I am not partaking of any of these remodels. It looked just fine the way it was, but uh, you know how it is. So we're going to get into a... Uh, so what happened is... Uh, Let's go right here. You know, my recent stream about um, dialogue on the existence of God, and I described it as the best book on the existence of God. Well, right, where is it? It was before, as you can see. Um, yes, I got some walls of text here from some atheists. But I thought that this one from Real Atheology was particularly interesting because I think it illustrates a uh, common misunderstandings that people have about um, Thomistic ethics. And uh, there's apparently one from one minute ago. Um, It seems to me, obviously, you're starting with your conclusions, namely that God... Ex yeah, I think all the atheists coming to to uh, cope in my um, comments or misunderstanding by best, I meant pedagogical um, in the sense that it forms the habit of a philosopher because that's the purpose of a dialogue. Um, and they thought I meant like best book to give atheists. Well, if they actually watched the video, then they would realize that that's not what I meant. But here I am with absolute walls of text in my comments. So here you have Felix Sanchez, Relay Theology, and then this guy who I'm assuming this is something he copy and pastes all the time is 10 reasons why he doesn't believe in God. If I, if I, uh, Feel like it. Maybe I'll get into Theoskeptomai and all his uh, his wall of text. But uh, here you have really theology, and I think this one was particularly interesting. Oh yeah, drop an atomic bomb on that like button. Absolutely destroy it. Carpet bomb the like button and the subscribe button. But I will actually get into now what he said. So first, a day ago, he said, respectfully, if the book doesn't deal with the best arguments for atheism as put forward by the best defenders of atheism, such as J.H. Sobel, Graham Opie, Paul Draper, J.L. Schellenberg, Evan Fallis, Michael Tolley, etc., then I don't see how it can be considered the best. And honestly, guys, honestly, I have not heard of a single one of these people. Again, I reprinted a book from the late 19th century from a late 19th century philosopher who deals with continental philosophy, which is like these guys are big brain, like 900 times smarter than the than the um, new atheists. These guys, massive brains. So that's the reason why I reprinted it. It's a pedagogical tool in the form of a dialogue because that builds the habit. That's the purpose of a dialogue. It builds a habit of being able to do something well. So that's the purpose of a dialogue. I meant best as in pedagogically best. If I wanted best as in um, responding to the best objections or putting forth the most detailed arguments, I would not have chosen a 90-page dialogue. I, I, I don't get why they thought that I was putting forth a 90-page dialogue as the best tome to respond to all of these objections. That's not... It is... Uh, it's not what I meant. Oh, yeah. Loving all the classical and Baroque music, which is recommended to you. Not going to lie. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's all I listen to. I don't actually listen to Father Mike Schmitz. Must be like an ad or something. But, oh, yeah. This is Palestrina. Absolute glorious. I do listen to Sense Fidelium sometimes. And the reason in theology. Yeah. So. Okay. So, I... Again, is complete... Just... Just the point was right here, and then the walls of text in my comments just went like, whoo, right? Just absolutely missed the point of of that whole video, which I don't, 
I don't imagine that uh, that's uh, maybe this guy really theology might have watched it, but the other ones just posting obviously like copy and paste stuff. Obviously, they just they were just going around. They just go around on uh, any video that mentions atheism and then just copies and pastes in order to to own the theists, so to speak. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Bonaventure remind me yesterday. You can you can put super chats if you're really loving me now that I hit a thousand subscribers. Super just absolutely nuke that super chat to destroy atheism. Okay, so and then I decided to uh to be cheeky because again I noticed that he missed the completely missed the point of the whole thing. So I said, you have no standard for what is best. Where are you getting this concept of goodness from? And this was his response. So we're going to be going through his response and thinking, okay. Now, obviously by goodness, I was talking about the, the certain uh, participated virtue whereby being is presented to the aptitude faculty. But by goodness, he thought I was talking about moral excellence or virtue. But either way, I think, uh, I think, he he missed the point even while missing originally the point to which was a missed point you know you know missed the point by doing that response missed the point of my response and then missed the point of explaining uh something completely else in his response so this is like three layers of missed points going on here okay so as aquinas would say on the contrary Atheists have a wide variety of powerful and robust ethical systems that allow us to account for normative, moral, and ethical claims as whether things are objectively good or worse. Notice, I don't dispute this claim. I think there is the, uh, as Calvin would describe it, the, the um, what, what, what would that, uh, I'm just going to say it in English, the wisdom uh, or virtue of the pagans. The pagans um, or the atheists have a certain uh, virtue, um, virtuous systems by virtue of natural revelation. I do believe that, but I don't think they can justify them. That was my whole point in saying, where are you getting this concept of goodness for? And that there's no standard for what is best. I meant that the, those standards and that goodness can't be justified. Because again, in a uh, you have to understand the metaphysics behind goodness for St. Thomas. Since goodness is a certain uh, transcendental or aspect of being to the aptitude faculty or to the desires, then um, then goodness is going to be something which is is not goodness per se, but goodness participated. That is goodness participated in goodness itself, which is God. So goodness as a participated good cannot be had in an atheistic system. So. Again, uh, there, there's certain metaphysics behind this, which render a lot of his claims to be a bit preposterous. But I wasn't talking about uh, the fact of moral systems, but the justification behind moral systems. And um, and then accounting for normative. Again, how? Where are you getting this ought from? Moral and ethical claims, whether things are objectively good or worse. Again, with objective good that's that's impossible if you're going to be defining good as I'm defining good or defining good as St. Thomas because where where are the the forms of goodness participating in that's that's the question I have and this is something that has been acknowledged in the literature of many Christian philosophers guys do not trust Christian philosophers do not trust Christian philosophers if anybody if anybody this has happened to me before muslims do it Atheists do it. Um, you get the must scholars stuff coming from Protestants. If you ever, if you ever have, or or uh, or also like liberal Christians will also quote must scholars. If you have anybody quoting uh, so-called Christian philosophers or so-called Christian scholars saying this or that, do not do not trust it, <laughs> because Christian scholars includes like Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and uh, his, I think his PhD thesis was on denying the virgin birth. Like, like, come on now. Like that, that term basically means nothing. Like, come on, give me doctors of the church, maybe saints, like stuff like that. I, I, 
I do not care one one bit what these Christian philosophers or Christian scholars say. Oh yeah. So Hound of Heaven. Now that I've hit a thousand subscribers, if only, I'm gonna cry myself to sleep now. So everybody subscribe to Hound Hound of Heaven. Didn't this eighth really theology guy link a Reddit post as his source on Twitter? Oh gosh, I didn't see that. Oh my. That's tragic. That is quite tragic. Okay, so it's Christian philosopher Terence Cuno Cuneo notes. When I read the most sophisticated discussions of God and morality in the world of thinkers, such as all these guys, I find that none of them maintains that there could, in the relevant epistemic sense of could, be no meaningful lives, values, and obligations, or reasons to be moral if God were not to exist. Rather, they claim that theistic views have some advantage over non-theistic views because they can better accommodate and explain certain data than these non-theistic views. And I think this is an absolute terrible take when you're going to come to uh, Catholic theology because it misunderstands the purpose of law with the ought. So but when most people conceive of natural law, they're going to conceive of it something uh, merely as uh, in something infused in certain objects of creation. Like the reason that humans do X and not Y is because our our constitution, our, our bodily constitution, nature, are uh, are formed after this X, and that's not really what natural law theory is. The idea of natural law theory is really that natural law is a certain participation in divine law, which are the ideas in God's mind of the good. So it really, it has to be thought of more in Platonic terms. So when when you get um, when you get what it means to be a good man, the the natural law is something which is uh, participated after the idea of man, perfect manness or manliness in the mind of God. So, so really, it would be completely uh, meaningless to say that atheists uh, could have a valid natural law theory. That that's that's not something which is possible under an atheistic system. They can account, they can not account for, they can uh, describe the effects of natural law. They can describe these things. I'm perfectly okay with that. Cicero, Aristotle, uh, the, the wisdom of the pagans describe things well, but they cannot account for it. That's the fundamental conviction of, of what I said and what he's denying is, is you can't, they can't really account because they can they can describe uh, certain virtues of man, such as prudence, fortitude, and and natural love, natural hope, uh, natural uh, faith, and stuff like that. But they can't account for these things as uh, participating in eternal and divine law, which is fundamental to Thomas's idea of natural law. Okay, so all these guys are also among the majority of Christian philosophers. Again, I don't care what the majority of Christian philosophers say. Give me the doctors of the church. Give me the magisterial teaching. I, I honestly couldn't possibly. I can't describe to you how little I care what Christian philosophers say or Christian scholars say. I, I, I don't think I could possibly articulate the just minuscule amount of care that I have for what they say. I do not care. Give me what the magisterium says, or give me what the doctors of the church say, or give me what the saints say. I, I I do not care what they say. It's all garbage. It's just them quoting each other and then then duh. It's it's all all that that's literally I have to I have to a lot of times read secondary uh sources and journal articles. It's literally all like if you outside of like a very specific realm of like amazing Catholic philosophers and theologians. If you're just going to get general, like moderate to liberal, which is mostly what you'll get Christian scholarship, like the guys who say that like the perpetual virginity was made up and that the bishop, that the papacy is an apostolic and stuff like that. The guys that you'll get there, it's all them just quoting each other. That, that That's literally all it is. It's like a massive waste of time. It's, it's just silly. Okay. So majority of Christian philosophers who believe that secular accounts of morality are impressive and can be maintained without God. Again, what what is the the fundamentum of of Christian of Catholic morality when it when it comes to Catholic moral theology? 
what what is the fundamentum? It's going to be it's going to be one um, the based in the intellect of God when it comes to the eternal ideas which He has of good, and it's going to be second based on um, voluntary uh, things. So it's going to be God's bare will can be something which which is also a, a fundamentum of of what is good. So, for example, under the Old Testament, there was no um, natural justification for for not eating pork. That was purely uh, volu- voluntary, seeking some other end, obviously. But the the means in which it was carried out, and the specific um, the why can't I think of the word the specific uh, manner in which it was carried out to that end of of obedience and uh, purity for the people of God was purely voluntary. It wasn't based on any natural um, deficiencies in pork. So so the, these these are really the two fundament, fundamentai, I think it would be, the two, the two fundamentals of, of Christian moral theology, neither of which atheism can, can account for. In fact, from a Catholic perspective, oh no, this shouldn't be controversial, oh no. Because the Catholic Church's moral teachings within natural law are itself founded on a secular system, namely virtue ethics as as developed by Aristotle. So yeah, this is the most accurate statement. So when it comes to uh, goodness, you have to understand that uh, we we make a first distinction, which is between political goodness or the the goodness of the polis, or uh, as we would say, common good, and then also individual goodness. And then we make another division between supernatural goodness and natural goodness. So we have a supernatural end and a natural end, the natural end subordinated to the supernatural end. So when it comes to um, virtue in particular, there's another distinction made between supernatural and natural virtues. So natural virtues uh, such as uh, good, uh, such as those natural versions of the supernatural virtues, uh, which there's actually a natural charity. There's a natural um, true, uh, hope there's a natural faith i i keep mixing up like all like all the three there's so many threes in catholic theology and then also of the um wisdom uh temperance fortitude there there's with with these natural virtues they are on the basis of of uh aristotle's system and and uh such and by cicero and later um ethicists who were not christians but why? Because there's the wisdom of the pagans. There's natural revelation. They can know things. This is not being denied. But can they have a uh, sufficient uh, justification? One, and then two, entire moral system? No, because there's certain. There's there's also supernatural end and supernatural good of man. So really, this is a complete naturalization of Catholic ethics, which just doesn't exist unless you're talking about the natural end and natural good of man. So the eminent, oh my, eminent Catholic Thomist, Dr. Kenneth Kemp, has a brief article here where he outlines how one can have an objective notion of morality without God. Oh gosh. Mm. He notes, we don't need to know that God exists to know good from bad. Notice, we don't need to know to know no, no, this is epistemic. It's not talking about the metaphysical foundations for our explanations of moral theology. So the, the point is just still being missed throughout this whole response. So sad. It is enough to know human nature, what kind of being we are and what kind of actions will bring us to fullness of being. Religion and the Foundations of Morality by Kenneth Kemp. As I noted earlier, while there are plenty of secular accounts of objective morality I can draw from to answer your question, I will highlight from two. First, we can easily follow Dr. Kemp and endorse a virtue ethics framework here to be able to give an ontological account of morality that can provide normative judgments based on our respective natures and character. But again, where are you getting the justification that following respective natures and character is something which is good? Where, why are you labeling this as good? You're just giving a mere label and then calling it ethics. There's no justification behind this. 
It's completely vacuous. You're just saying because you're what you're doing is you're taking the it you're, you're make. Ironically, we're the ones with charging charged with making the is alt fallacy because we have we have a a mode to change is from ought, and that is the um, the fact that we um, participate in the eternal ideas in the mind of God. That's that's our ability to, to go from is to ought. But he right here is going from the is to the ought, making the is alt fallacy, and he has no transition from the two. He has none. He has no God to uh, to mediate this. Why why is it good for me to act in accordance with my nature? Or are you just calling acting in accordance with nature good? Why? There's no justification for this. There are many various outlines of this philosophy, but I will briefly summarize the position of the atheist philosopher Evan Fales in his own version of naturalist moral realism. For Fales, naturalism is the view that there is no disembodied minds. Oh, that's sad. And that ethical theory should be grounded in a scientific, oh God, my science, understanding of human beings. Moral realism is the view that moral norms are independent of our beliefs. What justification is there? What justification is there? There's no justification here. Still waiting for it. These norms are determined by facts about us and other creatures. Again, this is just a completely vacuous response. Just bringing up my science, my facts, my... Where is it? My... Where is it? Where is it? More Christian philosophers, more Christian scholars. But there's no substance to this. This is just like reading your average journal article. It's terrible. Uh, where do we go? Moral realism is the view that moral norms are independent of our beliefs. These norms are determined by facts about us and other creatures. How do we ontologically ground such moral truth? Oh, great. I'm so glad we, we finally got into it. Maybe we'll answer my question here. How do we ontologically ground such moral truths? Fails contends that morality is based on what is good or bad for a being. Why? Dang it. Still not grounded in anything. Primarily, more immorality is primarily how we ought to treat other human beings. Where is this ought coming from? Again, why is there an ought? I'm, st I'm still confused where the ought is coming from. You have an is right here. Okay, we can inquire after what is um, what is most in line with the nature of a certain thing from our natural faculties. Of course, we can inquire after that. Where do you get this ought from? Do, are you a lifter, dude? I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> that was very random. But like, yeah, I'm serious. Are you a lifter? Because... That that is that is uh, what's good for your being. So you should be a lifter if you're just taking aughts out of is right here. And morality is primarily and and again we also have to. Uh, I forgot to highlight this fact, but we also have to highlight the fact that in the Christian view, again, he says that there is no disembodied minds, but the very fact that the form of our body is the soul, and the fact that the material serves the immaterial, the very fact that the body is the instrument of the soul is going to have a radically different effect when it comes to justifying and explaining morality. Because, for example, would you say that uh, the contemplation of the essence of God is the highest good of man? Like that, that's like you uh, go to Prima Secunde, right in the beginning of Thomas's moral system. What does he begin with first? The contemplation of God is the foundation for happiness and is our chief end. Like you cannot, you cannot say that you cannot even compare your own moral system with 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 the angelic doctor. You you just can't. You can't because you don't even believe in God. How is the highest how is the highest good then for your system and his system just radically different? And then like two thirds of his moral system is just completely missing from yours. But like yeah, this shouldn't be surprising to uh to Catholic morality. Not. Fails contends that morality is based on what is good or bad for being. And morality is primarily how we ought to treat other human beings. Again, where are you getting this all from? The basis of morality, oh, we're about to get it. According to Fails, is our common human nature. What, what, where are you getting the ought from? 
I'm asking for the grounding. That isn't a grounding. That's that's just an explanation, not a justification. I couldn't care less about the particulars of your moral system. I want to know why. Give me the why. Oh, gosh. Okay. Hound of Heaven. He has a listing of atheist sources on Reddit. It's massive. Oh, gosh. Hey, maybe I'll get maybe all the atheist uh, Reddit groups, whatever they're called. I don't know. I'm not on Reddit. Um, all the atheist Reddit groups are just going to be fuming. So I'm just asking them, asking them, just please, I'm begging you, just give me the ought, man. Like you're, you're not, you're, you're not, get, you're just giving me the is. That, that's all you're giving me. Common human nature. Why does, why would the, our, the way in which human nature works, why would that translate into, into an ought? Why? Just, just explain it to me. And again, this would also, uh, discount certain things like uh like transgenderism and uh homosexuality by the way just just uh putting that spicy thing out there <laughs> tato he said reddit atheists certainly have autism bro you didn't have to do them like that that was no, you didn't have to do them like that. So our common human nature makes morality objective because it is objective. That is, we have a particular objective nature as human beings. And it is this nature that grounds objective morality. And I also would deny in your metaphysics that you could hold to to a uh, to universals existing. I would also very much deny that, but that's a it's a question for another day. Human morality is based on what is good or bad for us. Again, why? Why is this an ought? We are organized such that we have one or more ends, goals, or purposes as human beings. There are several things that are intrinsic goods for human beings with, that, with such ends, including health, reproduction, and knowledge. Instrumental goods serve these intrinsic goods. Food, for example, serves the intrinsic good of health. Again, there's no grounding of this. Humans have the particular intrinsic goods or ends that we have as a result of natural evolutionary processes. There is no reason to bring God into the picture on such a view because our existence as the type of being we are is fully explainable by natural means. And since human morality is based on human nature, it is also a result of natural evolutionary processes. Again, you're, you're missing the point. You're making an ought out of an is, and you have no, I have a mediating justification for that, which is, which has to do with the uh, forms which exist in the mind of God. And then also um, a purely voluntary uh, justification for these things. But with naturalism, you, you just, you don't have it. You just don't have it. For further defenses of Fail's views, see chapter one of God and Morality, Four Views. I would like to see if he actually justifies what he's saying or if he's just going to make statements. This uh, is Fail's guy. Second, we can think of morality as being similar to mathematics. I thought he was going to say science. In that there are foundational mathematical principles that are necessarily true. This view is ably defended by Eric Wielderberg. These facts become applicable to human beings when certain facts about circumstances in the world cause moral facts become applicable to the certain situations to be instantiated. As Weldberg notes, such facts are the foundation of the rest of objective morality and rest on no foundation themselves. <laughs> to ask of such facts, where do they come from or what foundation do they rest is misguided in much the same way that, according to many theists, it is misguided to ask of God, where did he come from? No. Well, what foundation does he rest? Bro. Uh, you know what? That's just a... Wait, you mean you have facts, which is truth, which comes from nothing and rests on no foundation? Facts? Truth, truth is related is being related to the intellect. So you have eternal, subsisting, 
ipsum subsistum, ipsum, ipsum essay subsistence truth. You have truth subsisting in itself. Sounds like God to me, not going to lie. I'm just being cheeky there. The answer is the same in both cases. They come from nowhere. Oh, truth comes from nowhere. I agree. And nothing external to themselves ground their existence. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, actually, it is, it's self-subsistent truth. He's explaining right here. Rather, they are fundamental features of the universe that grounds other truths. So all truths are participated in some sense in, in eternal and self-subsistent truth. I think we're I think we're uh, making some grounds here, uh, really theology. In defense of non-natural, non-theistic moral realism, Eric Wildberg. This comment is already getting a bit lengthy, I would say. So I'll wrap it up here. But again, I would like to stress the challenge you posted is not an insurmountable difficulty for atheism. Yes, it is. Because you not there's not just one word in here about the actual question I asked about bridging the gap between is and ought. You have no justification. Again, I start with where I began and encourage you to actually read the philosophical literature on this subject. Emigish. Actually read my scholars. Somebody liked this comment. Everybody go dislike it. I can't believe somebody liked it. Can I figure out who it was? That's silly. Somebody's liking comments against me. Okay. Kind of okay. Leave in the chat. Do you guys want me to go into this theoskeptomai? Also, his con his comment. Peace. What ontological foundation do you have for peace, dude? <laughs> Bro, cozy badger. If you're if you're listening, you. Man, can't believe you. That was that was that's actually kind of funny. But okay, I guess I will. Since zero hour said sure. Okay. Hello, I'm an atheist. Interesting. Hello, my name is Christian. I define atheism as suspending any acknowledgement as to the existence of gods until sufficient credible evidence is introduced. My position is that I have no good reason to acknowledge the existence of any god. Oh, interesting. Here is the evidence I must consider when evaluating the claim by theists, and as to why I currently hold such a position. One, I personally have never observed a god. Bro, I have bad news for you. Theoskeptomai. I think you don't exist. I think you don't exist. Do you want to know my first reason? I personally have never observed you. I don't think you exist. I think... No, I don't think you exist. This one fit... This one is fit for the chill stream. I think this is basically turned into a chill stream. I'm just so tired of like... Like I saw all these atheists in my comments. And I'm like, man, this isn't even like... This is pure meme level right here. Like you could just copy and paste these responses and put them on like the wall of text memes. And I, like, why? <laughs> like, you obviously didn't watch my video, so like, at least I'm reading your comments. Okay, two. I've never encountered a person whom has claimed to have whom. I think it'd be who. Some grammar person. Check me on that one. I've never encountered a person who has claimed to have observed a god. Bro, I have a secret for you. First, I've never encountered a person who's claimed to have observed you. So I don't think you exist. Secondly, I have big news for you. I observe God all the time. I do. In the Eucharist under the species of bread and wine. And third. There. That's God right there. The little baby right there. That's God. So. There. You have observed God now. Please renounce your atheistic tendencies and accept the Catholic faith. 
<laughs> because images um, participate in their prototypes. Therefore, um, the types which are which are present in images participate when they are images of Jesus in the Godhead in a certain sense as their prototype. So I just showed you God right there. And since the picture participates in the prototype, you have observed God. Also, have you ever been to like a court of law or something and saw a judge? They're also, they're also described as gods. So give me one second. Where's my mouse? I'm back. My wife just needed matches. I don't know. She'll probably burn down the house or something. Which reminds me, become a patron so I can rebuild my house after my wife burns it down with matches. Patreon.com slash Militant Thomas to get access to more resources and articles. And make sure you like this video, smash the like button, and subscribe. Okay, three. So we've gotten one and two. So I don't think that this guy exists. By his standards. Three. Okay. I know of no accounts of persons claiming to observe the God that were willing or able to demonstrate or verify their their observation for authenticity, accuracy, or validity. Okay, I'm gonna pull up something real quick. Okay. Wait a second. Okay. There you go. I have proof of God's existence. That is God right there. Assuming that's the hands of a valid priest. There you go. There's all your pictures of God. And here's even one of God holding God. So there's my evidence right there. Again, God holding God. Okay. Glad we have a... Okay, so uh, every single one of your claims have been debugged so, so far. Let's keep going. I've never been presented a valid logical argument, which was also employed sound premises that lead deductively to a conclusion that a God, gods exist. A valid logical argument, which is also employed sound premises that leads deductively to a conclusion that a gods exist. A god or gods exist. Honestly, I've I've seen all these refutations of Thomas's five ways by atheists, and I think they just completely misunderstand Thomas. It's because they don't read his whole system of theology and they're not familiar with Catholic theology. So they don't understand how it works. So yeah, so that that's why I think that this is a common sentiment. They're like, wait, wait, what's the we have we have to watch this one video real quick. Um, it, Byzantine Skoda sent it to me. I promise it'll be quick. I have to get this one done quickly to to get that one. Of the nearly fifty logical syllogisms I have encountered arguing for the existence of a gods, I found all that contain multiple fallacies or unsubstantiated premises. Interesting. I've never observed, again, we still haven't proved your existence yet, just to, just to be clear. I've never observed a phenomenon in which the existence of God was a necessary antecedent for the known or probable explanations as the causation of that phenomenon. Interesting. Several proposed and generally accepted explanations for observable phenomena that were previously based on the agency of a God's have subsequently been replaced with rational and natural explanations, each substantiated with evidence that excludes the agency of a god's. I've never encountered the vice versa. I've never experienced the presence of God through the intercession of angels. Through the intercession of angels. It's weird. Divine revelation. Bro, you haven't 
You haven't encountered divine revelation, dude. Where's a Bible? I'll just give you a Bible. I'm sure I have one somewhere around here. There. Bro, I'll just send you one of these. Then you'll encounter divine revelation. Easy. W for the Christians. We're proving it then. Oh, antecedents. Every phenomenon that I have observed appears to have emerged from necessary and sufficient antecedents over time without exception. In other words, I've never observed a phenomenon, entity, process, object, event, process, substance, system, or being that was created ex nihilo. Bro, just observe literally all beings, obviously. That is, instantaneously came into existence by the solitary volition of a deity. Have you not, like, looked at everything? Have you not looked at everything? This is, this is just... This is kind of funny because uh, if I ask them where everything came from, it would say it came from nothing, dude. Nothing caused it. But also I could use that in equivocal sense to say that it came ex nihilo out of nothing. So so pro, pro tip on the play of words that'll convert all atheists. 10. All claims of a supernatural or divine nature that I've encountered have either been refuted to my satisfaction or do not present as falsifiable. Which this this itself is a non-falsifiable statement. Just would like to point out the irony. All of these facts led me to the only rational conclusion that concurs with the realities I've been presented. And that is the fact that there's no good reason for me to exalt I can speak good reason for me to acknowledge the existence of a God. I have not been presented with any good reason to believe of your existence, Theoskeptomai. I have heard often that atheism is the denial of the Abrahamic God, but denial is the act of rejection of a substantiated fact once credible evidence has been presented. Atheism is simply withholding any acknowledgement until sufficiently credible evidence is introduced. It is natural, rational, and prudent be skeptical, skeptical of unsubstantiated claims, especially extraordinary ones. I welcome any cordial response. Peace. Love this cordial response by Koji Baz Badger. Bro, who the heck is going to read all of this? I have, and everybody watching it now has. Okay, I have to. I have to get you that one video. I promise it'll be real quick. I hope Byzantine Scotus isn't watching. He's going to be so mad that I watched this video without him. Yeah, this is this is what I expect. Okay, let me. And I will be taking this semi-seriously, I promise. I'm going to respond to that guy in the comment section based absolutely Chad. He sends you a wall of text, assert Christian supremacy by sending an even longer wall of text. Yeah, exactly. Absence of God leads to nihilism, hedonism, and relativism. Obviously, that's the consistency of the position, but apparently just because human nature... Because you have the trappings of natural revelation in you, that's the only reason why it doesn't necessarily fall into that. Okay, let this guy, Thomas Aquinas sucks. This is brilliant. Why do you keep loading, stupid computer? Let's put this man in HD.
I'm, I'm absolutely not surprised that you're a overweight high school dropout living in your mom's basement. But like, you didn't have to tell me that. TJ, oh, can't hear. Oh wait, okay, you guys can't. Oh yeah, I forgot if I put you on my second stream screen, you can't hear. Okay, let me switch that back over. Okay, thank you for letting me know. I forgot about that. Okay, let me go right here. Bring it back. Okay, whoo, good. That was almost tragic. Let me. It's so funny. It's like the one time Jacob was on here and nobody told me that they couldn't hear. It's terrible. Okay, I'll put him over there. You guys can see him, right? Okay, good. We'll find out why Thomas Aquinas. Why is it so? Jeez, chill. There you go. Okay, Thomas Aquinas sucks. Let's find out why. A lot of Christians say that I only go after the easy targets, that I should take on some of the real arguments for God, the solid arguments put together by the greatest theistic philosophers of all time. One name they like to kick around is Thomas Aquinas, who lived in the 13th century, and for some reason, they think that he had these great arguments for the existence of God. This guy is considered one of the greatest theistic thinkers of all time. Yes. I, on the other hand, am an overweight high school dropout who still adds with his fingers you forgot about your mom's basement, dude. You still live in your mom's basement. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah. And I am smarter than Thomas Aquinas. Bro. You sound like Luther. By an order of magnitude. And that's... An order of magnitude. It's not just boasting or... Did you count that order of magnitude on your fingers, dude? Bluster. I can prove it. Prove it. This man was an imbecile. See, our friend Tommy Boy came up with five proofs that God exists. Five the angelic doctor will cut off your tongue in the last day and cast you into everlasting fire. Dandy dandy little logical sequences that show definitively that there is a God. And if you examine them, they're actually all quite silly. Or, to put it more eloquently, they're fucking retarded. Aquinas's first argument, motion. One, objects are in motion. Two, if something is in motion, then it must be caused to be in motion by something outside of itself. Three, there can be no infinite chain of movers, movies. Four, so there is a first unmoved mover. Five, therefore God exists. His first statement, objects are in motion, is pretty sound, unless you throw your hat in with a solipsist. Of course, if you are a solipsist, then you think there is only one solipsist, and that's you. But the solipsists aren't right, so that's a pretty solid starting point anyway. Oh, His second premise, that if something is in motion, it must have been caused to be in motion by something else, is not really all that egregious. I suppose you could have a little bit of a semantics argument with some of the terms there, but nothing horrendously wrong jumps out at me about that statement. His third premise, that the chain of movers and movies cannot be infinite, is just not justifiable. How the fuck does he know? It follows from premise one to two, dummy. You, you, you literally just agreed that if something is in motion, it must be caused by another to be in motion. So if it's infinite, then there's no grounding to the motion. Bro, did, did, did you think more than 2.5 seconds before making this video? You, you didn't think we didn't think of that? Well, oh, bro, how are we supposed to know there's no infinite chain? You, you didn't think we didn't think of that? There's like whole scholastic debates on this. We don't understand infinity. The human mind can't understand that concept. We don't understand that concept today, yet Thomas Aquinas in the we understand it as a negation. 13th century somehow was able to grasp infinity and declare what can and cannot be infinite. His fourth statement that there is therefore an unmoved mover is just fucking ridiculous. First of all, it contradicts his second premise that unless an object is acted upon by another object, it cannot be in motion. His whole purpose here is to say that um, that when it comes to contingent things with potentiality so therefore everything we observe and everything in existence created creature think creaturely things they must be rendered from act from potency to act they must be moved so really his argument is that um not that being qua being necessarily needs to be moved but that there must be an unmoved mover grounding this something which is pure act 
So he's reasoning from from the nature of uh, of something which would ground contingent existence to to the wider uh, sphere of um, of the attributes of this thing, which is obviously God. So so he misunderstands the argument pretty badly. I think he needs to read the Compendium Theologiae in order to understand the way in which the attributes all uh, fit together and how that fits in together with the arguments for the existence of God. It's also based on the assumption that there can be no infinite chain of movers and movies, which we already established is pretty fucking absurd, especially for some moron living in the 13th century with no concept of modern science. So this argument is crumbling. It's falling apart. It's oh, collapsing no. under the weight of we its own arbitrary rules. We didn't think about and that. And his conclusion. Therefore, God exists. This is, I mean, let's say we accept everything he said before. This is still not a valid conclusion. Because why is the unmoved mover necessarily God? Why can't it be a blueberry muffin? If you if you actually read the, to the Corpus Thomisticum, dude, you would understand. Because when it comes to the nature of something which is an unmoved mover, if it's unmoved, then it can't have any potency. As a mover, it must be pure act. Something which is pure act with no degree of potency must necessarily be infinite. Something which is infinite must necessarily be immutable, not composed of parts, and therefore it must be simple since it's not composed of parts. Like you, you see how the whole the whole plethora of attributes just fit in right here? They just fit in. Yeah, that's why. Because your blueberry muffin he's going to use a blueberry muffin as his uh, unmoved mover. Doesn't have those attributes. Is your blueberry muffin pure act? Is it actus purus? Is it infinite? Is it? Just read the Compendium Theologiae if you want If you want how all these attributes fit in. That's why he's saying that it must be God. Because there must be an unmoved mover. And this unmoved mover, since it's pure act, must have these uh, different attributes. So in those different attributes constitute God. Why can't we say, yeah, there was an unmoved mover, it was a blueberry muffin, and from it came all other things? Sounds a little bit more plausible than God to me, because, hey, I've seen a fucking blueberry muffin. Those motherfuckers are tasty. I ain't never seen God. I don't know what he tastes like. Probably like sour milk. Aquinas's second argument. He tastes like bread. Causality. One, some events cause other events. That argument is exactly the same as your motion argument. I'm not refuting the same argument twice. Moving on. Aquinas's third argument, contingency. One, contingent things exist. Yes, like the Earth is reliant upon the sun to sustain life on Earth. In other words, our existence is contingent upon the sun's existence. Two, each contingent thing has a time at which it fails to exist. Contingent things are not omnipresent. Well, let's think about it like this. If you are editing a video on your computer, which is obviously something we do a lot of around here, then you need the video files and you need the editing software. Both of these things have to be there in order for you to edit a video. You can't edit a video if you have no video. You can't edit a video if you have no video editor. Both of those things are contingent upon one another, and the final product, the edited video, is contingent upon you having both of those things. But even if both of those things are gone, if you have the hard drive capable of sustaining either of them, then they could both conceivably come back into existence. You can get new video because it can be sustained by your hard drive. You can get a new editing software because it too can be sustained by your hard drive. So if there is a higher contingency, then these lower contingencies can always flicker in and out of existence. It doesn't matter if one goes away for a little while, it can come back because the conditions under which it could exist are always going to be there. Three, so if everything were contingent, there would be a time at which nothing exists. Call this an empty time. Not accurate, because as we already talked about, all you need is the higher contingency that supports everything else. In this case, existence itself. As long as there is a universe, you can always have stuff in that universe. The universe is a place where you can put stuff, and stuff makes everything. Is the universe contingent? Everything is stuff. The, the universe makes everything, and the universe is a non-contingent necessary thing, bro. You're, I, I like how in all of these, like you saw in the the ethics dude too, they're just like just making up other words for God, and then just trying to explain these concepts, and then they're just mix, missing the whole picture. Like, yeah, the the universe is a necessary thing on which all contingencies rest. Like, bro, stop, just stop. Atheists accidentally proving God. Oops. Where, how do I get back to it? Oh, there's, that's where I go. Four, that empty time would have been in the past. 
Well, assuming linear time and assuming that all of your premises up till now are correct, sure. But how do you know? We don't know of any such time. We do know of a time, and time might not be the right word here, but there was a time at the beginning of the universe when all matter was compressed into something roughly the size of a particle. This was prior to the Big Bang, although prior might not be the right word since time didn't exist until the Big Bang happened, although happened might not be the right word. It's all very fucking confusing. The point is, there's no grounds for making this statement. Fine. Atheist cope, bright in 1080 pixels. I've... If the world were empty at one time, it would be empty forever, a conservation principle. Maybe, but you don't really know that. And you've yet to sufficiently convince me that the universe was ever empty. Six, so if everything were contingent, nothing would exist now. Well, that's an awful big leap. In your first premise, you say everything could be contingent. Now you're saying everything is contingent. So that's an awful big leap, first of all. But, you know, it only takes one thing that isn't contingent upon anything else. Let's say yes. that even yes. in the void, yes. even in the desolation. Yes. He's understanding. You just need one thing that isn't contingent. He's understanding the argument now. I'm so glad. Blueberry muffins could come into existence. and then. Okay, now tell me about the nature of a necessary being. Explain the attributes of those things for me real quick. And then we, then we can talk. And everything that is contingent upon blueberry muffins could come into existence. And then everything that is contingent upon the contingent things of blueberry muffins could come into existence. And so on and so forth until everything is here. All thanks to blueberry muffins. Aren't they fucking special? Isn't that just the best blueberry-laden breakfast treat you've ever fucking seen? Creating all things? Isn't it fucking wonderful? Seven. But clearly the world is not empty. Premise one. Sure. Eight. So there exists a being who is not contingent. Well, why does it have to be a being? We've already discussed my blueberry muffin hypothesis, but even discarding both of ours, doesn't a single particle seem more likely than an entirely formed sentient consciousness capable of acts of spontaneous creation? I'm just saying. No. Seems a little bit more likely. Single particle, very simple thing. Huge complex intelligence, very complicated thing, and in dire need of some explaining itself. How did this being come to be? Nine, hence God exists. You failed to demonstrate why existence itself can't be the ultimate contingency. You failed to demonstrate that there would necessarily need to be something that isn't contingent upon anything else. You failed to demonstrate that that thing, if it existed, would need to be a being. And you never demonstrated that if that thing needed to be a being, it would be the Christian God. So once again, Thomas Aquinas, you fucking suck. Because he's assuming that you actually... <laughs> Because, because, okay, you may not know this. This guy's never going to watch this. What, what am I saying? What he doesn't know is he he doesn't know that those who read the Summa already had years of philosophical training and that those who were reading the Summa also had theological training. So when it, when it comes to uh, St. Thomas isn't going to write down all of the underlying uh, premises that he has going on between the lines, you know. You have to actually... Uh, read more widely in his doctrine of god in order to understand why exactly a uh, a necessary thing goes and leaps all the way to uh to the existence of the christian god aquinas's fourth argument properties that come in degrees number one objects have properties to greater or lesser extents well sure yeah as fat as i am there are people much much fatter than me people who are a foot shorter than me who weigh four times as much yeah okay sure I'm with you so far. What's next? Two, if an object has a property to a lesser extent, then there exists some other object that has the property to the maximum possible degree. What? <laughs> what the What the fuck are you talking about, Thomas Aquinas? Reply? He has no idea what Thomas is talking about. It's kind of funny. Because that's how like a normal person would, would respond to such a statement. But uh, yeah, it, it, this, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, certain... Uh, he's basically talking about the transcendentals. It's, it's basically what he's getting at. You have to understand Thomas's metaphysics in order to understand what what he's doing here. So wait, this this being that you're talking about—he's the the skinniest being and the fattest being. He's the he's the sexiest being and the least sexy being. He's the straightest being and he's the gayest being. He has every property to the max. Is that what you're saying? Because that's fucking retarded. Three. So there is an entity that has all properties to the maximum possible degree. Four. Hence, God exists. You know, I don't even believe that Thomas Aquinas is this stupid. So let's find a better summation of these rules, because I don't think this is accurate. Aquinas's fourth argument, second version, gradation of being. 
One, there is a gradation to be found in things. Some are better or worse than others. Exactly. He's talking about being, dude. <laughs> Two, predications of degree require references to the uttermost case. Three, the maximum in any genus is the cause of all in that genus. Four, therefore there must also be something which is to all beings the cause of their being, goodness, and all other perfection. Exactly. It's talking about the transcendentals. And this we call God. Oh, so Thomas Aquinas isn't saying that there's a being that possesses every trait to the maximum, only every positive trait to the maximum. So actually, Aquinas isn't... No, every transcendental... As dumb as the first summation of this argument led me to believe, he's even dumber. Wow, Christians, really? This is your great champion? I'm not impressed. I really am not. I honestly expected something better than this. I, I, I mean, I was kind of like, you know, maybe I'll leave this guy for someone a little smarter than me. I'll let, like, Dawkins go after him, or at least Thunderfoot or something. Dawkins and Thunderfoot. Bro, that's your, that's your big brain, dudes? I, have to, I should probably check the comments. Yeah, then Summa Contra Gentiles is also. This is like the stupidest thing I've ever watched in my entire life. It's it's actually kind of funny. This is this is like how <laughs> this is how this is almost as bad as the other guy's reading of Thomistic virtue ethics. And I'm not gonna be able. I don't have the science chops. I'm like a a D minus science student, and I suck at math, and I'm not that well learned when you get right down to it. But this is fucking ridiculous. This is easy. This is like something a kindergartner would come up with. And that's why there's a god. Shut up. Go to your homework. Quit being stupid. Aquinas's fifth argument from design. One among objects that act Based. for an end, some have minds, whereas others do not. Very true. Objects like me have minds, and objects like Sarah Palin do not. Two, an object that acts <laughs> for an end, but does not in itself have a mind, must have been created by a being that does have a mind. Yeah, or it could be acting in a- Wait, did he call Sarah Palin an object? Did he say objects like- wait, wait. Like Sarah Palin, not. Very true. Objects like me have minds, and objects like Sarah Palin do not. Somebody clipped that. I'm gonna have this this misogynistic atheist or make him put out like a apology video for calling a woman an object. Two, an object that acts for an end but does not in itself have a mind must have been created by a being that does have a mind. Yeah, or it could be acting in accordance to natural law. You know, a star doesn't shine because a man in the sky said, let the stars shine and shimmer. It shines because billions of years ago, nebulas collapsed and... Hi so you realize oh gosh you might not know where natural law comes from oh gosh saint thomas's point is is that there must be some uh grounding or uh because obviously saint thomas believes in in natural law there must be some sort of and again i'm using natural law in his sense not natural law in the actual sense um, but, uh, yeah, all St. Thomas's point is there must be a, a creator of this nature of common, well, common natures of things, then also of individualized natures in order for it to act in a certain way towards an end. So he's making a, you're, you're, to St. Thomas does not believe in immediate sort of, uh, sort of God, like taking these particles and just go, which, which, which. Hydrogen particles clumped together in larger and larger clumps and until the gravity was so immense that their cores ignited. And you know what? I'm not a fucking scientist. But the point is that this isn't like some magic man said, let there be stars. There are some hard fucking science behind this shit. And we know what happened. We're not living in the 13th century anymore like Thomas Dumbass Aquinas. We're living in the 21st century. We know how this shit works, or at least we should. Three. Most science. So there exists a being with a mind who designed all mindless objects that act for an end. <sighs> it's always a being with you, Thomas Aquinas. You're like one of those guys who, when he loses his keys, he claims someone stole them. Yeah, there, my keys are gone. It's a mystery. I think there was a being who came in here and removed my keys. Bullshit, there wasn't no being. You dropped them behind the fucking dresser. Quit being a dumbass. Four, hence God exists. Nope. 
Sorry, once again, you failed to show that. I really don't know why Christians make such a big deal out of this guy. Frankly, most modern Christians, most modern theistic philosophers could wipe the floor with this fucking guy. Okay, his stuff might have sounded kind of impressive when only a scant few people had access to books or knew how to read. Why does he have to be like two inches away from the camera? This is kind of making me uncomfortable. Or had these materials available to them. In the 13th century, that might have sounded real solid, but by today's standards, this shit is half past retarded. In fact, it's half shy of retarded. What is... I don't understand. I, I'm assuming that Christians must just never read this shit. They're probably just told, yeah, there was this guy in the 13th century, Thomas Aquinas, he figured it all out, don't look into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's what's happening here, because this shit is stupid. Just dumb. Even if you are a believer, you've got to admit that these arguments are just fucking lousy. Maybe I'll try C.S. Lewis next time. At least he lived more recently than this joker. I'm assuming that his arguments have to be a little bit better. The Amazing Atheist. Oh, gosh. It sounds so cringe. How, many, how does this guy have more subscribers than me? That's crazy. Everybody go and dislike this video. We'll get more dislikes and likes. Oh, wait. Is this just the listing on the Wikipedia article? What? That's crazy. I can't believe this guy just literally listed them off the Wikipedia channel. This is some new lore for me. Okay. So... Give me like 15, I'll give you like 15 seconds if you have any questions. If not, I'll just go. Okay, your 15 seconds are up. Do penance, become a patron, do all those things. Oh, wait, no. Oh, wait, nope. You hear doggo. Doggos are, I hate dogs. They're the worst. I hate dogs.